Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. We've been in a series called Doubting God. And one of the reasons that some doubt God isn't necessarily connected to God at all, it's connected to people who say they're Christians. It's sometimes connected to people who say they're followers of God in His way, but their lives don't reflect that reality. I'm pretty sure we've all been there at some point in time where we've been let down by someone who we thought knew better, who was more mature in their faith, yet there was a disconnect between their claims and their actions. It's understandable as to why someone would have doubt linger in their minds about God, or at the very least about His people, the the church, when they've been let down, or maybe even downright betrayed by someone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, isn't there a disconnect? And doesn't that disconnect allow for doubt to fester? How do we reconcile a God who is loving, forgiving, and merciful with people who say that they follow God and are not those things? Maybe it's a person who shares Bible verses and devotions on social media, but they have a rotten attitude, or they're difficult to get along with, or they're rude. Or maybe it's a co-worker who says they're a Christian, but their work ethic doesn't match up. They cut corners, they lie about the reason why they miss work, or they treat their fellow co-workers harshly. What about a spiritual leader that was looked up to, but then suddenly it came to light of an affair or some other moral failing, and now there's confusion? There's doubt brewing. Isn't this someone who is supposed to be above reproach? In the Gospels, if there was any group of people that Jesus was hard on, it was the religious people. In other words, the churchy people. In his day, that would have been the devout Jew, right? The ones who attended synagogue every week, who memorized the Torah, and who gave generously and prayed loudly and regularly. Yet in contrast, it was the down and outs the low down and dirty, the rebels, the sinners, who Jesus had the most compassion and mercy for. Those who others rejected, Jesus would embrace, to the point where Jesus was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus would often call out the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of his day. He had little tolerance for someone who claimed to fear the Lord, and yet their life reflected quite the opposite. We can read of one such instance in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. Check this out in your Bibles. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The word picture that Jesus paints here is quite vivid. He calls the Pharisees and scribes hypocrites and says that they're like whitewashed tombs. In other words, in our day and age, you can compare it to a brand new tombstone placed over the buried remains of someone who's deceased. The tombstone may be made of a shiny, brand new, freshly engraved marble slab, but what lies below is decaying flesh and bones. Just before the passage that we just read, he gives another word picture and says that the religious leaders, that they're like cups that are all cleaned up on the outside, but inside the cup, it's all filthy. From the outside, they look like they've got it all together, but inside, in reality, there's just filth. 
I titled today's message, When Christians Let You Down. And unfortunately, for many people, when they think of the church, they think about scandal, hypocrisy, corruption, hatred, abuse, and judgment. And because of this perception of the church, this can begin to cause doubt in the minds of people when it comes to God or walk with Christ. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a few possible reasons as to why some so-called Christians get it wrong. Here's the first reason. You can write this down. Number one, some people aren't really Christians. When Jesus would refer to this, he would talk about knowing a tree by its fruit. In other words, an apple tree produces apples, an orange tree produces oranges, a fig tree produces figs, and a person who claims to be a Christian should produce complementing Christ-like qualities. But sometimes there are people who claim to be followers of Christ, but actually aren't. Paul says it this way in his letter to Titus, chapter 1, verse 16. They claim to know God, but, by, but they deny Him by their works. The claims and the actions don't line up. There's a disconnect and potentially there isn't a genuine relationship with Christ and surrender to God and His Word. Now I need you guys to understand this and, and let me say this as lovingly as I can. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You can go to church religiously and not have a genuine walk with Christ. Believing in God doesn't make you a Christian. Knowledge of God doesn't make you a Christian. Knowledge of the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. You could believe in and know about and yet not live a life surrendered to those beliefs and to that knowledge. Did you know that in our community, by and large, it has people who believe in God? I mean, faith is very much embedded into the lives in particular, of black and brown communities in New York City. People believe in God, but it doesn't necessarily mean that their belief translates to life transformation. Knowing about God doesn't make you a Christian. A fear or respect of God doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church a few times a month doesn't make you a Christian. What makes someone a Christian is living a life fully submitted to and in surrender to Jesus. It is someone who has placed their faith and confidence in Jesus and allowing that surrender to transform your life into the image of Christ. Another reason some so-called Christians get it wrong is because of this. Number two, some are Christian but are not mature. Someone may be a genuine follower of Jesus and, and be in the process of maturing. The lack of maturation may lead them to do or say something that may not necessarily honor Christ in the best sort of way. The author of the book of Hebrews um, said it this way. Check this out in the book of Hebrews. It says this. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. The obvious comparison that the author makes here is to the maturation of a baby. Right? You cannot give a baby solid food. Their stomachs can't handle it. They don't have teeth yet, so they need milk to survive. But as they mature, you begin to introduce more solid food. You begin with the baby food and then the oatmeal until they have little teeth. And then you can introduce crackers and rice. It's all little by little. And it's the same with followers of Jesus. When someone first comes to Christ, they are early on in their walk with Christ. And the level of spiritual maturity will likely reflect that reality. You know, in this room, we're all in different places on our spiritual journey. Some have been in the faith for some time, and perhaps you might be more mature and you walk with Christ. What you would hope is that in that maturity, 
our actions would line up more and more with our claims. Pastor Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor out in Oklahoma. He shares a story about when he first came to faith. He connected with a frat brother who he hadn't seen in a long time, and they both found out that they had been on separate journeys. Uh, they both wound up putting their faith in Jesus. Uh, but being early on in their walk and lacking the spiritual maturity, they wanted to go out and celebrate their faith. And how do you celebrate with the fellow frat brother? They went out and got wasted at a bar, celebrating the fact that they had put their faith in Jesus. Maybe not the most mature way to celebrate putting your faith in Christ, right? A new Christian is early on in their walk with Christ and might make decisions or do and say things that don't necessarily line up with God's Word. And that's because they're maturing and they're learning. Now let me just interject here and say that the trajectory in a Christian's life should be one of growth and maturation. That's the goal. When a baby drinks milk from a bottle at four weeks old, it's cute. But a 40-year-old with a beard and a receding hairline drinking from a bottle, it's not cute anymore, right? And so as followers of Christ, our trajectory is a growing path. But sometimes some Christians are not mature and can get it wrong. Right? Now, Finally, the last reason for some so-called Christians, uh, that some so-called Christians get it wrong is because of this. Number three, some are Christians and maturing, but still mess up. Some people are stuck trying to find the perfect church with perfect people. Unfortunately, that church doesn't exist because those perfect people don't exist. We're all on a journey and we're aiming to be like Christ, but the reality is that we will always fall incredibly short. And no matter how long you've been following Jesus, you will still be vulnerable to sin. This side of heaven, struggling with sin and battling with our flesh will always be a reality. Uh, sometimes some are Christian and maturing, but they still mess up. And when we sin and when we fall short, God isn't surprised by it because He knows how truly frail we are. And this is how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 103.14. For He knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. That's what we are. We are simply dust. In other words, we are fragile, frail people. I know you work out and you eat good and you dress nice and you smell good. But we're simply dust. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you will still fail and you will have your shortcomings. When you look at me, remember that I'm just dust, okay? And I, if I haven't let you down, just know that it's only a matter of time. I'm not perfect and this side of eternity I never will be. And neither are you. You know, sometimes we hold other people to an unrealistic expectation that we don't even hold ourselves. We're unwilling to extend grace and unwilling to extend forgiveness when we're sinned against. If we're on the receiving end, there's no wiggle room or margin forever. But when the shoe's on the other foot, we want grace and we want forgiveness extended to us, don't we? Why do some so-called Christians get it wrong? Well, sometimes some are Christian and they are maturing, but they still mess up. In the book of Acts, Luke describes for us an event that happened with Paul and Barnabas. It was along one of their missionary journeys and they were in the city of Antioch preaching the gospel both to Jew and to Gentile. Their preaching began to incite jealousy from the Jewish religious leaders. They didn't like the fact that this message included the Gentiles. They didn't like the crowds and the attention that Paul and Barnabas were attracting. And chapter 13 of Acts shows us this. Check this out. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord. And all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region 
but the Jews incited the prominent, God-fearing women and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. <clears throat> Luke makes it clear to us that there was a mighty move of God. The word of the Lord is spreading. People's eternities are being forever changed. Yet there are some people who do not like what's going on and begin to make some noise. They're described as the God-fearing women and the leading men of the city. In other words, they are leaders. They're well-respected. They're well-known. And yet, what do they use their influence to do? To stir up persecution is to drive out Paul and Barnabas. What do you think Paul and Barnabas do after this experience? Did they say, man, I'm never going to church again. And these, these church people are a bunch of hypocrites. They call themselves God-fearing people. And look at what they do. Man, I'm never, ever stepping foot into a church again. Had we been in their shoes, if we're honest, that might just have been our response. But in verse 51, it tells us what actually happened. Check this out. But Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They simply shook the dust off their feet and kept it moving. Not only did they keep it moving, but they didn't allow the hurt caused by these so-called God-fearing people to keep them from experiencing joy and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, so many people leave the church because they experience some sort of hurt. They allow that experience to keep them from growing in their walk with Christ. They allow that experience to keep them from the community that God has called them to be a part of. Now, let me just say that the truth is some of you may be here and you have experienced some serious hurt or maybe even abuse from a former church that you were a part of. A leader abused their authority, overstepped their boundaries, or maybe even worse. We've all heard the scandals, and some of you might have even experienced it. Let me just say that I'm so, so sorry that you've experienced that hurt. Your feelings are valid. What you experienced was not right. It's not what God desired for you. It's not God's design for the church community. And the truth is that we have all been hurt by hypocrites. The truth also is that if we're truly honest with ourselves, we've all been hypocrites at some point as well. None of us are perfect. None of us are sinless. And that's why the posture or the disposition of a follower of Christ is one of continual and ongoing repentance. But if at some point you've begun to doubt and you've lost faith in Jesus because of people, can I encourage you with this thought? You can write this down in your notes. Your faith should not be in people. It should be in Jesus. If you look to put your faith in people, you will be let down 100% of the time. What you need to do is look to Jesus. Look at the life that He led. Look at His teaching. Look at how He loved. And what you'll notice is the stark difference between how Jesus lived and how the church has contradicted that in so many ways. The church in history has abused its power and oppressed people. But Jesus came to set the captives free. The church has rejected or ignored those on the margins, but Jesus loved on the sinner, the outcast, and the prostitute, and the down and out. People accuse Christians of being judgmental and harsh and critical, but Jesus showed compassion for the least, the lost, and the lonely. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he had little tolerance for the hypocrites, but what you'll always notice is that he had nothing but grace for the sinner who acknowledged their need for forgiveness. What we need to come to grips with is that there is a little bit of hypocrisy in us all because we're all sinners in desperate need of saving. And that saving 
was made available through Christ's finished work on the cross. Jesus came and lived a perfect and sinless life. He was led to a cross where he died as the perfect and atoning sacrifice for our sin. They placed him in a tomb where three days later he rose again, so that all who would look to him and call on the name of Jesus can have forgiveness of sin and new life. Another way you can look at it is that Jesus came to die for hypocrites like us who are willing to admit our sin, repent, and put all our faith, trust, and confidence in Jesus. And if you're here today and you've yet to put your faith in Jesus, He patiently waits for you with outstretched arms. Confess your need for Him and accept the free gift of grace made available for you through Jesus. Let's pray. God, I pray for those who have experienced church hurt. Lord, you know that it's not okay. Forgive us for when we have misrepresented you and help bring healing to those who are hurting. Help us to be the absolute best representatives of Jesus. May we not just give lip service to you and not allow our lives to back it up. Help us to genuinely follow after you. And Lord, we place our faith in you, not in people. We've been let down and we've let others down. Give us grace. Help us point people to Jesus. May people, may people see past our flaws and glance at the beauty and the perfection of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?